0: Mike Betts was once in a conversation with Paul McConaughey, uh, some of you know Paul uh, of 3DM and he was talking to him about church planting and uh, one of the things that uh, Paul said to him was if there is not enough air cover then it leaves the ground troops vulnerable to enemy attack and uh, just a word of wisdom to Mike in terms of our ongoing church planting that unless you have that prayer cover uh, then the troops are vulnerable. And I know Mike has uh, sought to really run with that. And as many of you will know, that's his heart, uh, to see us to gathering together in por- corporate prayer times together, the Enough Nights, and uh, Mike's book that will soon be out again about corporate prayer. And uh, it's a very important truth that we need to hold uh, on to. Uh, some of us had the privilege, uh, some of us as leaders, have the privilege of listening to Bill Norton uh, from California just uh, uh, a few wilds ago. And uh, he's a seasoned pioneer, travels all over the world. And uh, one of the things that he said really uh, stayed with me, and that was that 80% of missionaries in the Middle East return prematurely uh, prematurely because of lack of prayer cover. That's that's an outstanding uh, kind of statistic. 80% of those working in the Middle East return home prematurely because of lack of uh, real prayer support for them. Now in a sense we shouldn't be surprised at that because we get that lovely um, story which I'm sure we all know very well in the uh, Old Testament with Moses and the Amalekites in Exodus 17 where you remember the battle was taking place that Moses was up on the hilltop and uh, Joshua was down in the valley with the Amalekites and uh, you remember that as Moses held his hands up um, you know the Israelites were winning but as soon as his hands went down (coughs) you know they started to get defeated. Uh, so that, uh, you know, his hands had to be held up. And as long as his hands were held up, uh, then we find that, uh, in fact, they won the battle. And uh, it's just such a lovely little picture, really, of what God calls us to, you know, the importance of continuing to hold those hands up in prayer for those that are in pioneer work. So very important for us. I think also mission experience uh, does bear that out, uh, the importance and the place of prayer in the onward march of the kingdom of God. I mentioned earlier today James Outram Fraser. And uh, if you've not read his biography, Mountain Rain, it's, it's really worth uh, reading. Uh, he was a missionary to China, the China Inland Mission, uh, in the early part of the 20th century. He landed in China at uh, the age of 22, and he died at age 52 of cerebral uh, malaria. But he pioneered work amongst the Lisu people of southwestern China, And uh, as I said this morning, he saw no fruit in the first six years. And then in a four-month period, he suddenly saw 400 people uh, come to Christ. Sorry, 600 people come to Christ, which uh, was roughly about 129 families. And one of the things he did, which was very wise, he taught the families how to evangelize. And it wasn't long before there was a huge outbreak uh, amongst the Lusu people of coming uh, to Christ. And it was followed by an amazing turning to God, which resulted uh, you know, in widespread uh, people following Jesus. But if you read his book, then you'll, you'll find that one of the key notes that he brings out again and again is the fact of his persistent prayer. He felt that God had taught him to do that, just to keep praying. I don't know what you would have felt like being in a place for six years, praying day after day and not seeing a single convert. And yet that's what you've given your life to and uh, at the age of 22 he was a brilliant guy a little bit like C.T. Studd and uh, he was a classical pianist uh, you know he was a good athlete there was so much going for him at the age of 22 but he just pushed it all aside uh, to follow the call of God in his life and uh, you wonder how many times it went through his mind of thinking I gave up this and I gave up that and I gave up the other and it's see she is on now and I've not seen a single person really show any interest uh, in the gospel until that time when it all broke loose But it wasn't just that he was praying. Um, His mother back home, she lived in Letchworth, uh, here in the UK, uh, she had actually got a group together to pray for him. And uh, this is one thing that he wrote to her and the prayer group that she was leading. He said, I will not labour the point. You will see from what I am saying that I am not asking you to just give help in prayer as a sort of sideline. But I am trying to roll the main responsibility of this prayer warfare on you. I want you to take the burden of these people upon your shoulders. I want you to wrestle with God for them. How would you like to receive a letter like that from your son? (laughs) Yeah, mum, I'm rolling all this burden on you. (laughs) But you see something of his passion here, his realisation, that without prayer, the battle's not going to be won. And so he has this uh, tenacity to say to his mum, mum and the group that you're praying with, please wrestle in prayer. This is not a sideline thing. This is a matter of life and death. And I believe uh, not only his own prayers, but the prayers of his mum and this group in London, uh, or Lynn Letchworth, uh, really did result in that, in that breakthrough. And as I said this morning, over 300,000 now uh, Lucy Christians in China, Myanmar uh, and Thailand. So some practical advice about uh, praying as we go into mission, whatever our, our mission is, wherever God is calling us. First thing is this, never be afraid to ask for prayer. Never be afraid to ask for prayer. The great Apostle Paul uh, writes many times about this. I love Paul because he, he always seems ready to ask people to pray. Ephesians 6, pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That's a great request to make of people, isn't it? Come on, guys, pray for me. Then, wherever the opportunity arises, I can speak boldly. I can share this gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 4, verses 2 to 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Come on, guys, pray for open doors for me for opportunity to share this gospel. And when I do, pray that I'll be able to communicate it clearly and concisely so that people understand this great gospel that I'm sharing with them. And then 2 Thessalonians 3.3 And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people. For not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. That's another reality, isn't it? That we do face an opposition and uh, there are many times that, you know, I've had contact with folk where, you know, suddenly they send a, a prayer request because, you know, one of the family is desperately ill. And it's amazing sometimes when you just come into that breakthrough and then something happens in the family. Have you noticed that even here? Um, and many times, you know, we think, you know, God is just powerfully moving and then something happens in the family. Someone gets sick or, you know, something happens. We are in a spiritual warfare and Paul was aware of that. There are wicked and evil demonic forces that are seeking to destroy the work of God. And so he's asking, come on, pray for me that I may be delivered uh, out of the hand. Three good things to pray. I love Paul's realism, that he knew that he was in the midst of a a spiritual battle. And uh, for him the priority was the proclamation and communication of the gospel. And he knows that he cannot fulfill his calling without the prayers of others. It's important that we get to that point, that we understand that. And it becomes a reality in our lives. I can't do this outside of the prayers of God's people. ever so important that we come to that conclusion. So number one, never be afraid uh, to ask uh, for prayer. Secondly, never be afraid to ask God for dedicated prayer warriors. We talked about the corporate prayer of the church. And you remember I said this afternoon about sometimes it's good to have a little group who are really there. who know maybe some of the more stresses and strains of your life and you can share confidential things with them, and they can really get behind that and pray. Do you remember Paul says in Colossians 4.12, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him, that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Notice how he says there that prayer is both a struggle and hard work. That's what we want. We want some prayer warriors who are prepared to struggle in prayer and do the hard work. It's hard work. Have you found that? It's amazing, isn't it? You know, you sometimes, you know, would you like to come and have a curry, you know, and watch football? I mean, we'll probably be there together about three or four hours. Is that all right? Oh, yeah, I'll come, Mike. Would you like to come and pray with me for four hours? i not so sure I've, I've got a date that night, Mike. <laughs> you know, it's hard work, isn't it, You know, when you give yourself to, to prayer. And uh, yeah, it's great to have people who are willing to struggle in prayer and to give the time and the effort and indeed the hard work. It's so important. And uh, I, so I believe that we need to ask God for those who make a genuine commitment to pray for us and uh, just by way, of, just an illustration of my own personal life, uh, for years now I've, uh, I have two apostolic friends. I have more than that, but I have two that um, particularly I've prayed for for years now. I try and pray for them at least twice a week. I get both their diaries and I know wherever they are in the world. And I try twice a week to just uh, sit down and pray for them and for God's blessing upon them and upon their ministry. And I've made that a kind of habit in my, in my life. And yet there's the reverse of that, that I also know that I have people that pray for me. I can think of one of the ladies in one of my older churches. And, uh, you know, she's, uh, she's 80 now. And she still plays regularly for me and, and for my family. And I'm really grateful to God uh, for her. And uh, I'm sure there are other people who pray for me that I don't know about. Because <laughs> that's the way God works, isn't it? But I'm so grateful um, that I have those that uphold me in prayer. So never be afraid to ask for prayer. But, do never be afraid either to ask God for dedicated prayer warriors, and you'll probably know in uh, in our relational mission website that we have a kind of prayer warriors now, uh, folks that are ready to actually give themselves uh, in seasons of prayer for things that are coming up. Uh, we did that for the uh, uh, for the courage conference. there was a little group of us that met in London before the conference, and we spent a whole day. And just praying for the conference, and uh, we actually went uh, actually to the venue as well, and we managed to smuggle ourselves in. <laughs> and so we couldn't get into the auditorium, but we sat in the open air. If you were at a Courage Conference at the Friends Meeting House, we sat in the open air courtyard in the centre, and uh, we pretended, you know, that we were having a meeting, but we were just, you know, sitting there with our eyes open and we were praying about the conference. And uh, it was great to do that together. And uh, it's nice that other folk now have joined uh, and are joining that. who want to seriously give themselves to pray for the work of relational mission and the conferences that are coming up, the things that we're facing uh, as a group and family of churches together. And so don't be afraid to ask for prayer warriors. Ask God for those. Very important. Thirdly, never let prayer become an optional extra in your own life. Uh, Bill Norton again says, The strength of our ministry comes from the secret place and of course I guess so many of us will know that when we look at the life of Jesus Mark 1.35 says that Jesus got up early while it was still dark to pray in uh, Matthew 14.23 and John 6.15 it talks about Jesus went up a mountainside alone to pray Uh, Luke 5.16 Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray Luke 6.12 Jesus prayed all night and then of course you know even in his teaching the parable of the persistent widow Uh, Jesus told to always pray and not give up in Luke 18. So, you know, just looking at the life of Jesus, we can see how important Jesus knew prayer was uh, in his own life. And isn't it fascinating that the thing that the disciples um, asked Jesus to teach them was to teach them to pray. You think of all the uh, amazing things that he could have asked them. How do I do miracles? Or, you know, how do I communicate this word of God to people? They asked, Lord, teach us to pray. They recognized the power that was in his prayer life. And we need to see that as well. This is a theme, of course, taken up by Paul in Ephesians 6.18. And that, of course, is in the context of spiritual warfare. And he says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Notice that pray in the Spirit. I think there's a double-sided edge to that. You know, Paul talks about in Corinthians, you know, I pray in my own language, but I also pray in tongues, in the language that God has given to me. That's praying in the Spirit. But also that sense of being led by the Spirit. And that's really important as well. And one of the things that one finds in mission is that very often God himself will communicate. I still wake up sometimes at night. And uh, I thought, well, you know, what am I doing awake here in the middle of the night? <laughs> and suddenly I find God has laid somebody on my heart. And so I spend the next five or ten minutes before I'm trying to get back to sleep uh, just praying for that person. And sure enough, you find a letter, an email comes, and, uh, and, uh, and you, you kind of link these things up. And you find, you know, when something was going wrong in a nation right away across the other wo- side of the world, there you were at the same time, awake in your bed and praying for them. And you think, How does that work? <laughs> well, God works it. And, uh, and so prayer is so vital uh, in that sense, and Paul knew that. And so we must be open to the leading of the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, Be joyful always, pray continually. And oh, there's a the thing, isn't it? I love that. It says, be joyful always, pray continually. Right, See, so we just said isn't it? oh, it's hard work, prayer. <laughs> you know, The thing that really helps prayer is joy. And uh, one of the great things you know, when you're praying is to just get that focus. Remember how Jesus in the Lord's Prayer says you start off this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Before we get to any kind of intercession, any kind of appeal to God, it's you focus upon him. So I love the way he says, you know, be joyful. How can you be joyful? By remembering all that God has done for you, all that he's given for you in Jesus. And once you've got that, then you can pray continually. It should spring out of of that joy. Colossians 4.2, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Two things there, watchful and thankful. The word devote is perhaps one of the strongest words in the New Testament for being committed to something. It means to persist, to adhere to a thing, to be intently engaged in, to attend constantly to, or the one that I love, to persist obstinately in. So that's the way how you tackle prayer? To persist obstinately in prayer to God. That's how we should do it. And mission only goes forward as we do that. Prayer is definitely not an optional extra. As Bill Norton says, you either pray or you become prey. You either pray P-R-A-Y or you become prey P-R-E-Y. Okay, got that? It's a little saying, but uh, it's so true. uh, We need to cover ourselves uh, in prayer. Next, never underestimate the power of your prayers. Um, We read in James 5 about the prayer of faith. Faith is trust and confidence and uh, carries the implication always, I believe, about action that's going to follow that comes out of that trust. But uh, let me read some verses from uh, the ESV on this. Uh, In James it says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain. And the earth bore its fruit. And I love the way that he underlines that Elijah was a man just like us. He had that same kind of nature. I don't know how you look at Elijah, but I see Elijah as someone who was amazingly courageous and amazingly cowardly. You know, you think, you know, he's, he's faced the whole nation and the prophets of Baal on the mountain. You know, he's done the sacrifice, bed, put the water on guys, you know, caused down fire. And then Jezebel only has to make one little comment and he's running away. <laughs> one minute he's courageous and the next minute he's cowardly. Do you ever feel like that? Sometimes you feel really strong. Other times you feel, oh, I don't know. And so, you know, James has given us this encouragement. Hey guys, do you remember what Elijah did? You know, one minute he prayed and he stopped the rain. The next minute he prayed and the rain started again. And he said, you know, but he was a man just like you and I It was no different. You know, he had his fears and his failings, his anxieties, his thoughts, just like you and I did. But look at the amazing things that were accomplished through his prayer. The righteous person has great power as it is working. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. That's the same phrase, you know, that's used in the book of Acts, in Acts 1.14, where it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Remember that, after the resurrection? After the ascension, before the Spirit came, when they were in the upper room. And uh, a more accurate way to express that is this kind of phrase. They prayed in the place of prayer. In the upper room, which we're in now, they prayed in the place of prayer. Another way you could express it is this. They inhabited or constantly dwelt or occupied the place of prayer. I like that. They inhabited and constantly dwelt in the place of prayer. And we need to understand that's what we need to do. And that's certainly what Elijah did. And uh, when Elijah continued to pray, of course, he prayed until the answer came and it stopped raining. But then we read also that he prayed again and heavy rain fell on the land. And the reason it fell on the land was because God had spoken to him that he was going to send rain on the land. And Elijah believed God's word that uh, he had spoken to him. And he spoke to Ahab and said, Do you hear the sound? of heavy rain. Our faith is always based on what God himself has said. And our prayers need to be based on the truth of God. And the truth of God's character and who he is. But if you know the story, uh, you'll know that uh, when he prays for the rain to come again, he sends his servant to look towards the sea. And remember, the servant goes towards the sea and he looks out and absolutely nothing's happening. comes back to Elijah He says, nothing's happening. (laughs) He said, go again. So it goes again, and he's still looking, still nothing's happening. Until the seventh time, when you remember that the servant then sees a little cloud rising off the surface of the sea. And uh, Elijah realizes that God is now arguing, uh, uh, you know, answering his prayer. And there follows a great uh, deluge of rain. But I wonder in that story, have you ever noticed the position of Elijah? Do you remember what it says in the narrative? It says he he bent down and he put his head between his knees. Now, I'm not a lady. I don't think we do it quite this way these days. But what he was actually doing was putting himself in the Hebrew birthing position. Hebrew women, when they were giving birth, would put their head down between their knees as they were giving birth. What an amazing illustration of prayer. That we put ourselves in the birthing position. Something is going to be birthed. And that's what Elijah was doing. He had a word from God. God said, now it is going to rain. And he believed that. He told Ahab uh, about that. But he prayed in this world. He was bringing to birth something that had been revealed to him by God. And in mission we're often called to do the same. God speaks a word to us. It may be prophetic. It may be through the scriptures. It may be through whispering in our ear. But God speaks to us. And then we hold on to that in prayer. Seeking God. Holding to it. And and in that sense we're birthing something until the reality comes. Now we can't be presumptuous about that. We do need to hear from him. We can't just take it for granted. No, we need to hear and see God. But once we've got that word, we need to persist and we need to hold on to it. It's so important. James says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Well the NIV says it's powerful and effective. As it is working, our prayers are active dynamic and powerful. Something is happening in the unseen realm. So if we go back to the Old Testament we just get a little window. (laughs) And where should we go? Well the best place to go is Daniel, isn't it? Do you remember some of the words that were spoken to Daniel? Let me read you some. Daniel 9, 22 and 23. Daniel, says the angel Gabriel, I've now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray... An answer was given, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the message and understand the vision. Do you like that? From the moment you began to pray, an answer was given. Do you know? Sometimes we think, "Oh, you know, heaven's a bit like brass. <laughs> I'm praying away here. You know, am I really being heard?" No. God says, Daniel, the first time you prayed, you were heard. You're beloved of God. You, you were heard. You pray. I love to, I'm going to stick this one in. It's not my notes, but uh, <laughs> do you know the story of the friend at midnight? Do you know that story, where a guy comes to a village, and uh, and he's got visitors, but he's got nothing in the kitchen, he's got nothing in the cupboards, and uh, so he goes out to his next door neighbour, and his next door neighbor 's in bed with all his kids, and he, he knocks on the door, you know, he says, "Wake up, wake up, I've got a visitor," and because really, the reason he's doing all this is because. Hospitality, again, is such an important thing uh, in the village. And uh, so this guy says, Oh, go away. My kids are in bed. Just go away. And he keeps on bashing on the door. And eventually, Jesus says in the story, he gets up and he goes to his kitchen. He finds things and he gives it to the guy, uh, loaves of bread, to set before his friend. And then uh, Jesus tells you the end of the story. And uh, in some versions, when you read it in scripture, it says, Because of the man's persistence, or the man's boldness, he gave, got up, even though it was, you know, inconvenient for him and gave him these goods. Because of the man's persistence and boldness. But that's not what the original says. The original Greek says, because of the shame, he got up and he gave him the loaves. That's the original. What does that mean? Well, it means, you see, that if he didn't give up and give the man this food would not simply be a shame on him. It would be a shame on the whole village. And next day he would have been talked about. (laughs) And it would have been a real insult on the village. Because hospitality had such a high value. And the people of Jesus' day would have known that. Because of the shame. they say, well, why is he telling it that way? Well, what comes after that? Do you know what comes after that? Jesus said, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking, seek and keep on seeking. And then what does he say? He says, "You that are good fathers, know how to give good things to your children. If your child asks you for, you know, fish, you don't give him a snake, and and so for bread, you don't give him a stone. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him?" What Jesus was saying was basically this: My honour. My honour is bound up with my children. Do you think that when you ask, you won't receive? Think about that in prayer. Do you think that what you ask for, you won't receive? Just saying, don't you realise, my honour is bound up with you and my children. And I'm a good father. I know how to good gifts. What Jesus was doing was, he was encouraging them to pray. Say, so come on guys pray because I'm just waiting here so Daniel says Gabriel says to him from the moment you put up your prayer you were heard and here's the answer on the way so it, doesn't, it doesn't happen like that sometimes sometimes he seems a long time in answering well Daniel gives us another clue Daniel 10 when he received a revelation of the vision he prays and fasts for understanding and this is what the angel says Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. There it is again. Since the first day that you spoke, you were heard. But there was a spiritual battle going on, which God dealt with, not in Daniel. And eventually, the prayer gets answered. We must get hold of this. That from the moment we pray, our prayers are powerful and effective. Don't forget that when you are in the midst of the storm and the tumult and the opposition, and the persecution. You are heard from the very moment that you speak, because you have a loving Heavenly Father who is waiting to bless you. And yes, sometimes it might seem there's a delay in that coming, but that doesn't mean that you're not heard. And eventually that spiritual breakthrough will come. And we have to have battle in that, which is my next point, quickly. Oh, I must hand over to Mark. Never forget that life is not like a battle, it is a battle. Okay? In the world, Jesus said, you will have tribulation... But take heart, I have overcome the world. That world is pressure, trouble, distress, oppression. That's all what that word means. 2 Timothy 3.12, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his mind. And he talks about putting on the whole armour of God. And then he says again, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And 1 Peter 4, 7, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. It's wonderful to know that Jesus won the victory, but we have to enforce that victory. In a defensive way, we can pray for protection, for deliverance, for overcoming of temptation. In an offensive way, we can pray for the advance of God's kingdom and for his blessing to be outpoured, and our gospel, that it will bear fruit. I love for what David said today, um, in his illustration. Do you remember when he talks about praying for the guy, uh, you know, whoever we were meeting today? And they said, you know, and the last thing you do, is pray a blessing on them. And is not sort of airy fairy, you know, I pray a blessing on you. He really means that. It's very interesting. I've always been totally confused by that story of Esau and Jacob. Haven't you? I can never understand why Isaac, when he found out—actually, it wasn't Esau; you know, it was Jacob, because he had the skin. You remember the story over that thing. Well, why didn't he just reverse it round and say, oh, "I've got the wrong one. Come on, bring him the right one." The trouble was, the blessing had gone. And the Jewish people, the Hebrews, believed that when the words went out, the word was created. because God is a creative God. God spoke the word into being, and when you speak the blessing of God. The blessing of God is created. So when we, you know, we'll just say the grace at the end of the meeting, shall we? You know, the grace of the Lord Jesus. You know, is that just babble? Or are we really believing that as we say that to each other, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, that is actually coming into action and activity. And so when you bless somebody, as I said the other day, you know, when you, we say to people, you know, pray your blessed prayers over people, now what we're really saying is do you understand that actually there is power that's what James says the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective and so when we bless there is a blessing that's why it's good to bless your children we, I don't still do it because my kids don't live at home now I do it with my grandchildren but you know when our kids were young we were going at night while they were asleep and we would pray God's blessing on them why? because we believe in that we believe that God blesses them and uh, with what they need. So we must realize, you know, it is a battle, but we need to be enforcing that victory. Now, I've got to stop here, but just to give you a book recommendation, if you want to learn how to pray for other people, and pray in mission, uh, look at the book by D.R. Carson, A Call to Spiritual Reformation, and uh, Don Carson says, if we learn to pray with Paul... We will learn to pray for others. And I haven't got time now. I might have put them in your notes for you. But there's three good illustrations there. Ephesians 1:15 to 19. Philippians 1, 9 to 11. And Colossians 1, 9 to 12. If you read through those, they're great examples of how to pray for others and to pray for mission.